inquire within. Ah, in this troubled economy, we do need jobs. Yes, yes we do. And uh, welcome to the Requiem Metal Podcast. I am Jason. And I'm Mark, and we're back with part two of Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Inquire Within is uh, has some interesting um, things going on. It's probably one of the slowest, heaviest songs Hypocrisy had probably ever written up until this point. Um, and just kind of just hits you right over the head. Um, one of the things Hypocrisy has been really good at doing, uh, especially with the rhythm guitar, is that sort of really um, slow, chunky, just super bottom-heavy kind of riffing? You know, like mm-hmm. it's almost like part of their their like identity. At least this like fourth dimension forward kind of identity you mm-hmm. know, so yeah. to have that, and then also to have like these kind of like cool melodies kind of weaving within you know the the chunky rhythm. Yeah, they've been able to kind of balance the, the the melodic with the the brutal, but in a different way than they have before. Yeah, and you hear it definitely in a song like Inquire Within because it all sort of is just sort of like builds and builds and builds and builds, and then you've got this really like great solo, uh, very um, very tasteful, you know. And Peter mm-hmm. Peter at this point is really starting to hit his stride with uh, some of the most tasteful guitar playing I think he's ever done. Um, you know, the only thing. I can compare it to for him is like some of the later stuff like virus, you know, he's kind of tapped back into that a little bit. Uh, but this is a weird record, you know, final chapter, you know, this is a record that, uh, Mark and I always laugh about how horrible the cover is. Um, you know, the three most unphotogenic guys (laughs) on the cover of the album. I mean, I don't know if this was a rush job because, you know, uh, they wanted to get this out sooner or, or what they were even thinking conceptually. Well, I think the next cover is even worse. Uh, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Some little aliens coming over hell or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is such the transitional technology phase of, uh, kind of computer, uh, Photoshop and, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's when every butthole, you know, with Photoshop was putting something together. Yeah, and, I, and you kind of saw the the worst of that, I'm sure, <laughs> as, as a graphic artist starting out around this time, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, no one really knew what to you know do the, with the technology and stuff. But final chapter, um, this is a record I kind of had to get pretty intimate with. Uh, I had to review it, I, I do believe, for the very first issue of Eclipse, or maybe it was Eclipse number two. And so it was one of the first big reviews, I guess, I, I felt like I had. This and uh, Morbid Angel Formulas of Fatal Formulas, Fatal of Flesh. Uh, do you say that? Five she sold seashells by the seashell. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. Those were uh, those were the two like first big uh, records that I think Chris gave me to do before you know he knew whether or not I, I was going to be you know a solid writer or something like that. And so I, I really delved into this pretty heavily. And um, that's one I never listened to. Yeah, and you were kind of out of. I was done with it. Out of the metal kind of thing for a while, at least you know in terms of being connected in with Chris and the record store and some of that stuff. <laughs> So, supposedly, final chapter. The reason it's called final chapter. This was supposed to be the the end. You know, just Peter, like you know the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. franchise. There you go. And <laughs> uh, you know, just like the you know the Friday the Thirteenth series, uh, it found a second life. I think what happened with this record is um, the response to it was so overwhelmingly positive that I think it. it I think it sold really well, and I and I it think, was reviewed pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was amazing. I still think it's. I think it's. For me, it's my favorite hypocrisy, um, you know, from start to finish. I mean, Abducted has some moments on it that are, are absolutely riveting, but um, there's something about, I think, just the time that I heard this record, you know, which sometimes can connect you to a record, mm-hmm. you know. This is my freshman year in college, and it's, you know, I, I think at this point I'm really starting to be able to process, uh, you know, European death metal, and I'm really starting to hear things and songs that, you know, 
when I was a junior in high school and just kind of getting familiar with this stuff. Yeah. I didn't really know where to compartmentalize stuff. And well, I think just by, when you have to break something down to review it, too, you're thinking at it in an entirely different way. Absolutely. And breaking it down and thinking lyrically, I think you're, you're spending more time with the record, ultimately, yeah. Yeah. if you're doing a, the review the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're uh, one of those you know reviewers who just listens to it once and then just kind of writes their first impression, you know. And, uh, Which helps nobody. Yeah, no, no. And I can I can admit, and I'm sure you can admit that the, in some of those rush jobs at the bottom of your pile of reviews, sometimes you're kind of like, ah, well, I mean, record. there is records that, that are just awful and have <laughs> yeah. no nothing just, good about them at yeah, all. Yeah, just listen to this once. Uh, I remember I remember this for that very first issue of Eclipse, Jungle Rot. No, I, <laughs> Chris did give me an EP by a band by the name of Stained. Who went on oh, wow. to become the stained? Was this uh, were they in Roadrunner at that point? I don't know. I, I, I was wondering if they were one it. of those Nickelback. Oh man, I slagged it. Godsmack. And uh, I'm glad I did because uh, that that was sort of the future of my reputation. Probably rested on whether or not I liked that <laughs> record or not. So, but yeah. So I, I'm sure they advertised. I had, the, I had yeah <laughs> exactly. I had the good and the bad. I had the hypocrisy and I had stained. But um, you know, final chapter. It's just it's got so many different dynamics working for it. It's got the slow, heavy songs like you heard there. It's got request denied, uh, the sort of epic, like anthemic kind of songs that you heard at the very end of part one. It's got a song like "Through the Window of Time," which we're going to listen to next, which is very much uh, influenced by like black metal. It's got some really cool like uses of kind of uh, keyboards and things going on with it, and it's also got kind of the the sort of Swedish black death melodic kind of. Uh, interplay of black metal kind of dissection dawn type stuff and like you were saying in part one i mean peter's a sponge you know and he's just yeah. gotten done working with a lot of those sort of black death bands this isn't the track that has like the the burzum sounding vocals is it uh no that was uh geez that was a song we didn't have time to 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 play okay. and uh i'm trying to remember what that was uh shama tour which i'm not okay. really sure what that means but you know there's a lot of songs on here uh, that would, were we to have more time, I'd love to play the title track. You know, that ends the the, mm-hmm. the the record, the final chapter. It's kind of a, you know, it's got that feel of this is the last song that we're ever gonna write. You know, kind of like end of the road from sentence mm-hmm. the, from the sentence show we did a couple weeks back, and so. You know, it, it has all those things sort of working for it, and so then you go from that song to like adjusting the sun, which is the next song we're going to play. And this is a song where I've had a lot of, uh, you know, the the title itself. I thought a lot about it, and I remember talking to Mark about <laughs> how, from a history teacher standpoint, you know, I hear the song, I hear the title, adjusting the sun. It's talking about, you know, is there life that exists out there, and if if we can prove that there's sort of alien life out there, which is one of Peter Tat Green's obsessions at this point, mm-hmm. then. It will be in a way like um, it will change religion. It will change like every. It will change everything about how we look at the universe and our role as human beings in it, and whether there's a god, whether there's not a. It'll god. be like the biggest thing from you know thinking that that the the sun rotated around the earth. Yeah, you know, it's it the Co- Copernican revolution in mm-hmm. a way. The scientific revolution got started when Copernicus basically said, uh, actually, you know, we're not the center of the universe. God, we're not like God's special people. We're third rock from the sun. We're you know we orbit the sun. All that stuff. And so, you know, he adjusted the sun in a sense, and that sort of uh, destroyed a lot of. A lot of the the validity that the Christian Church had in Europe at the time and mm-hmm. stuff, and the role that religion played. So I I hear the the title of that song and and it kind of I think Tiamat as soon as I hear that name. Oh, do you? Yeah, really. I don't know why. It, it sounds like it sounds like a title that kind of went off wild, honey. Yeah, they they did have a song about the sun. Uh, a sun. It's the last song. It's like pretty epic and, and very Pink Floydish. Uh, 
There was a sun. Da, da, da. Like I just, I can totally like hear it. Pocket size sun. Pocket size sun. There yeah, you go. Okay. Look at that. Look hey, at the that. memory works. Yeah, with cold medication. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so adjusting the sun. This is probably my favorite song on the record, and it has. Um, this is kind of like them doing unanimated. You know, it's like mm-hmm. hypocrisy kind of doing all that, and the solos that you hear on Through the Window of Time and Adjusting the Sun are, are just there. I mean, it seems like Peter is just hitting on all cylinders on this record. I mean, he's really found his his stride, and he's throwing every his heart and soul into every song because I think he thinks this is it. Yeah, you know? it is. I think a little bit more fractured than um, than say abducted. I agree. I agree. There's a lot it's more, a more fragmented. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but it's still each song is 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 you know so good that it doesn't. It really has its own kind of separate personality. Yeah. Yep. And there's a razor tune called Evil Invaders, which uh, <laughs> we we're, I, I go to Mark and go, Have you ever heard of Razor? And, and Mark, you you were like, uh, It's probably some obscure Canadian thrash band. Yeah. It just sounds like it. And of course, sure, sure enough, enough, there you go. Uh, just Anytime like, it's a one, yeah, like Anvil, <laughs> Anvil, Razor, Pirate, Pile Driver, yeah. uh, you know, what, what was the other one? Annihilator or something like that, or Voivod, um, Voivod. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Those, they like their those one Canucks. You know? Yeah, and then we're gonna close things out here with Elastic Inverted Visions, which uh, this is a song that never was supposed to happen from a record that was never supposed to happen, which is uh, you know the post final chapter. You know, self-titled hypocrisy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's a good tune. It's it's ridiculously catchy. It's very simple. It's almost kind of like hypnotic in a way, in, in terms of its like repetitiveness and stuff. But uh, it's a nice introduction back for a band that was supposed to be essentially dead and it kind of has risen from the ashes. So, and uh, we'll talk more about the self-titled hypocrisy when we come back. So enjoy a uh, pair of tunes from Final Chapter through the window of time and Justin Sun and Elastic Inverted Visions.
those elastic inverted visions adjusting the sound and through the window of time and uh you could definitely hear a more refined thing kind of going on with that last tune in particular. I mean, I, I mentioned that it was ridiculously catchy, almost like simple, hypnotic, just very, mm-hmm. very repetitive in a way, too. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what you can say about the self-titled record that they put out in, like, 99, is that, besides having a pretty awful cover the, that you mentioned, the kind yeah. of very X-File-ish cover, uh, I don't know what's what's going on there for their little uh, alien embryos or something floating around and I don't know in, in Arizona something, <laughs> yeah, I, something I don't know something weird. Um, it seems like a, a bad outtake from X Files, but the thing you can say about the self-titled is I, I think this is kind of the peak of of uh, this sort of late '90s metal kind of sound mm-hmm. and. You know the the clean, crisp. I mean, this this is almost like defines the late '90s in a way. Um, not just in metal, but also like I think in in music in general. You know, this was like when Backstreet Boys and Sync, Britney Spears, like the sort of the ultra digitized, ultra overproduced kind of stuff was starting to really like. You know, everybody wanted everything to kind of almost sound perfect, and I think well, ta- it's, ta- I think ta- digital technology was really getting. I mean, that's. Everything was done digital at this yeah. point, I think, too. Yeah, and everything was, was tweaked to a, to a, you know, there's no like happy accents anymore. Yep. yep, triggered drums, all that kind of crap, too. Yep, and I and I think a lot of metal bands um, that sort of made their living on that kind of died died a death in a way, you know, or at least got knocked down a few pegs mm-hmm. in terms of like how critics looked at them or even how the fans viewed them. You know, in a band like Cradle of Filth or Demo Borger, I mean, those are bands that I think suffered in a way because of that late '90s kind of over perfected kind of era. Yeah. Uh, you know, even early 2000s, late 90s, I guess is what I'm talking about. So this this record is a melodic kind of heavy death metal record. Um, it, you know, this sound has kind of reached its peak with this self-titled, I think. And I think uh, Hypocrisy from this point on through the, the early 2000s will kind of like struggle in a way to like figure out what they want their new sound to be. Yeah. You know, and I think that defined metal in the early 2000s in a weird way. I mean, metal really went in a lot of different era, you know, like avenues and different. Yeah, because we had the, the mid to late 90s deal with everybody, you know, it, Previously, death metal bands experimenting with their or sound. doom metal. If you're talking, yeah, almost everybody across, and you know, really kind of stretching bride. a lot. And then, uh, yeah, we get to the kind of the glut of the late '90s, early 2000s, and then people finally like, okay, well, it's almost you know like CG in movies or something. Yeah. It's like this new tool. Everybody like really kind of screws with it to the nth degree, and then like, okay, well, let's just let's think about good songwriting and not. Yeah, the digital technology quite and so ju- much. And just like with you know with Hollywood with that that kind of metaphor, you know, I mean, you know, there's only so many like dis- destructive explosion kind of like big cinema stuff that you can see. Where after a while, you just kind of get numb to it, and you're kind of like, eh. man, day after tomorrow, 2012. Yeah, it doesn't know, doesn't do it okay. for me anymore. And then you have to like inject the intelligence and the, like you said, the songwriting and things mm-hmm. back into it. You know, and and you got to make kind of you know smart action films like you know like dark knight and things like that yeah. where like you're 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 using the all the explosions and all the cool stuff but you're also like adding a more organic story nature to it and i think the same kind of goes with what was going on with metal at that time and and in a weird way it took it took a lot of um i think it took some of the the american bands to re-inject uh some of the organic kind of like 
veracity, the the emotional side into it. And I think of like you know albums like Jane Doe and things like that. That mm-hmm. you know, or even like what Catatonia was doing, the last Fair Deal Gone Down. These albums that are almost like wearing their emotions on their sleeves and their rawness to them. You yeah, know what I mean, honesty. in terms of the yeah, exactly the honesty of it. So you know, not to slag this album, it's almost a perfect record in a weird way in how it's produced. You know, what I mean, it's like there's not an error or a bad guitar solo on it. It just feels somewhat disconnected in a way from what hypocrisy had been doing up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's a good record. I mean, it's the last great record that they'll do for a while. Um, and we've got a, a tune that we'll play a, a, another song off of it called Fractured Millennium. And that one in particular, it's the album opener. So it's a good set opener as well. It kind of has the cradleish scream going on. It's got the keyboards. I mean, it's got the whole, the, the kitchen sink, you know, in a way. Well, it's got, yeah, the overproduced drums that, yeah. you know, they were kind of like let themselves shine a little bit. The cradle did in, I don't know how many different oh, songs. So, yeah. And we, Mark and I were kind of bounce around the idea <laughs> of if, if we could ever uh, pull a cradle show off. I think we could. It just have to be our, our own. A- approach to it, you know. Gilded cunt. That was yeah. that was my number one choice. Sure, yeah. <laughs> as long as long as you get that, and uh, what's the 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 Lord Abortion on there? I oh think yeah, we, that was, that was yeah. Cool. We could kind of have a. I guess uh, as long I don't mind Cradle's Guide. To older Cradle, as long as I don't have to see yeah, Danny. Yeah, exactly. and it's exposed, you know, fatness now. This fat goth mesh. Oh. <laughs> Hot topic, uh, yeah, dad. Yeah, man. Yeah. But um, cradle, you know, cradle. I will start talking about cradle. <laughs> Phil. Hypocrisy. Uh, you know, like I said, this record wasn't supposed to happen, and the, you know, in a way, life has been sort of breathed back into the band. And uh, the next record he puts out, um, which is Into the Abyss in two thousand, um, you know, it's it's in hindsight, I, I think I didn't really care for it. It kind of got lost in the glut, kind of like what Penetralia and some of that stuff mm-hmm. for you guys in the early 90s. Uh, this for us in the early 2000s, you know, I think I had reviewed the self-titled Hypocrisy and Final Chapter, and so I've kind of became the, the resident you know, <laughs> hypocrisy guy or whatever, and Chris kind of tossed uh, Into the Abyss at me, and I kind of like was like, eh, you know, there was just other stuff coming out around this time that I just mm-hmm. didn't care for. More interesting know. stuff, probably. Um, but a tune, we, we did decide to pull one tune off of it, and it's a pretty neat tune. It's called Legion's Descent, and it really is sort of an ode to the Osculum uh, Penetralia kind of sound. It's it kind of brings back a little bit more of the rawer production and some of the like more fierce. It's less overproduced and, and some of that kind of stuff. And um, the only problem is, I think from this point on, Peter really doesn't know where to go with hypocrisy for a while. Yeah. Catch twenty two, buddy. Um, yeah, catch twenty two, and I, you know, the the arrival and, and some of that stuff. It's it's kind of like rooted in some of the melodic stuff. It's it's also like you know, there's a couple tunes that where they're trying to experiment almost like crust punk or hardcore or something, which, and, which doesn't really seem to fit at all with yeah. what the stuff they've done before. You know, you know, and the, I mean, the one thing, and Mark and I were talking about this uh, from the last show and stuff is that you can say about hypocrisies, they're constantly evolving, which is cool, and you want that in a band, but there is sort of a you know evolving into places you don't really need to go. You See, they, they almost remind me not just the you know the similarities with Megadeth with you know uh, aliens and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> but they always seem they're they're kind of like the Megadeth of death metal. Yeah, sure. As far as like their their trajectory, the the kind of uh, they go into a lot of good directions and a lot of bad directions. You know, like yeah, and they they're like a, a constant fixture always. And there's you know the personality kind of things with you know between Peter and sure. you know Rustin and those kind revolving, of things. You know, bit, you know. There's only one guy that's ever stuck it out with hypocrisy besides Peter, and that's Michael Hedlund, the, the bass player. Yeah, and that's kind of like Olfsen, who yeah. is now back in Megadeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough. 
But you know, so it's it's a it, it, hypocrisy is a, a, a different kind of ban, and they're really hard to pin down and define in a way. And that's I think why we felt that we needed to maybe devote a couple shows to sort of encapsulate the the whole trajectory of their career. But but fear not, hypocrisy fans, because uh, you know they go into a glut for a few years, and then two thousand five rolls around, and uh, kind of right off, it was it was definitely off of both Mark and I's radar screens. Yeah, the, I remember uh, seeing it in the store, record. but uh, I was kind of like, "Why would I give this a chance?" Yeah, and it was actually reviewed pretty well. As the you know the research that that I did on it as well. I think uh, Terrorizer might have given it a pretty favorable really? review. Yeah, and I mean, as they should. It's a great record. I mean, it's one of my favorite hypocrisies, hands down. And uh, even though it's got the, you know again another cheesy alien cover, it's not um, a bad one. Yeah, it kind of looks like the creature from the the first X Files movie that uh, that gets birthed and stuff. Who had the claws and tore the crap out of all the people. Oh yeah. You know, kind of has that, that that alien sort of feel to it. Um, and, you know, anyways, it's 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 a neat record, and and the thing that I think rubbed off on Peter that gave him, I think, maybe a new, not a new hope. That's probably the wrong way of putting it, but a new uh, <laughs> a new vision, I guess, is uh, his work with Immortal. Yeah, and, and yeah, uh, a lot, I think a lot of the Immortal, not just the fact that Horg's drumming on the next two records, sure, but. Well. Yeah, uh, I think I think like you hear like some riffing stuff that's very reminiscent of Immortal. The pace of everything, yeah, um, and letting letting it just kind of like the drums are a lot more straightforward. I think in these next couple records, and letting the the kind of drums are just propulsion, and then we've got just as just I think a, a totally different view on the riff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know the one thing you can say about Final Chapter and Hypocrisy, the or the self titled Hypocrisy record, is there's maybe a little. Not too much going on, but there's a lot happening. I mean, there's, there's, you know, everything's just sort of like, kind of layered over top each other. Because I think he's overproduced. Yeah, he's in an orgy of production at this Mm -hmm. point, and 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 it almost seems like the record's put together in the cutting room. Yeah, not necessarily the, you know, the okay, here's the song, here's how it's going to be, you know, take the take, whatever. It's it almost seems like okay, we've got all these riffs and these six drum takes let's put some songs together yeah yeah absolutely and and i think the thing that you you hear on of album like virus or even the new one taste of extreme divinity is you hear as as you were talking about a more straightforward stripped down kind of approach even not just with the drums but even with with some of the the songwriting you know yeah like, i mean there's all, you the almost point, turn you know? the dial back to to penetralia to some degree sure yeah yeah and as so, far as the straightforwardness the speed um you know, a little bit more brutality, which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, and and that one of the bands that we keep, uh, you know, coming back to as we listen, especially to Virus, is is a band like Dimension Zero that mm-hmm. never gets talked about. And Dimension Zero is very punchy, very in your face. They they do have the melodic roots, but they're not kind of wussy like say you could argue that like Later Day and Flames kind of. Yeah, I think they kind of took took the torch from. I'm trying to think what era that would have been. Of In Flames. Well, I guess it would have been right before uh, Jester Race. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Just kind of like, kind yeah. Of if if some, if they would if Jester Race would have been a little bit more on you know the punchy, more extreme side, I think less melodic. That's kind of where Dimension Zero went. Yeah, and and Hypocrisy kind of picks up that that kind of sound and then mixes it with like the Immortal sound or even the Eye kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which was a Bath's kind of solo project he did with one of the guys from Enslaved and uh, Ice Dale. Ice Dale. Yeah. But, <laughs> And you'll hear that in this next set as we sort of bounce into it. So, uh, anyways, we're going to leave behind the self-titled record with Fractured Millennium and then get into Legion's Ascend from Into the Abyss and then our first of a trio of tunes from uh, from the Virus record with Light, Let the Knife Do the Talking. Very cool tune. <laughs> Very hypocrisy sounding. Exactly. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
Let the knife do the talking, Legions Ascend, and Fractured Millennium. And uh, I don't know if we made this clear, but um, on Virus, I know you mentioned the presence of Horg, but this is the first uh, first drumming from Horg that we've heard. Yeah, Lars Skoke is gone. Yeah. He can eat his pizza all he wants now. He doesn't have to drum anymore. <laughs> and he could even probably shave the handlebar if he needs to. Yeah, totally. Kind of get back to family life or whatever. <laughs> And at this point, too, uh, where, where Peter has Abyss Studios, uh, it's kind of funny to, to mention, this was in an article a few months back in Decibel, that he's kind of become the, is he the mayor of the town? And no, he owns the town. Owns the whole town, really? Yeah. And there's what, like like 100 people there or something like that? Oh, not even that. There's like, I think there was 30 people or something. Oh, okay. I mean, he took over, uh, there's a uh, old asylum. Uh-huh. That was there. I think he uses part of that as Abyss. Okay. And then he bought a bunch, and then started buying, you know, slowly buying, like, a, the houses up. So, I mean, the whole thing's kind of like Abyss Studio, his home, and then areas where people can stay while they're recording in Abyss. So, he's like one of those old in- industrial uh, revolution guys who yeah. uh, bought a town for his factory <laughs> workers to live in and then uh, dictated what they could and couldn't do. Yeah, basically, but, it seems like. so. I think he's a lot nicer than some of those guys. but I hope so. Yeah. But so so Peter's you know he's enjoying quite a quite a you know he's got an odd life. I bet when you know he flew over to America and tried to tried to be in uh, all those Florida death metal bands in the late '80s, early '90s, like yeah. Love and Creation. I doubt he ever saw his uh, career path being that he owned one of the most successful heavy metal studios of all time and yeah. you know, owning a town and you know <laughs> <laughs> you know being part of uh, several bands. I mean you know besides Pain and the Abyss, you know I mean Peter's done stuff with like Bloodbath and also. Uh, What's the post terrorizer uh, the lockup band? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you the know? second lockup. Record. So I mean, you know, Peter's been. I mean, he's had his hand in a lot of cookie jars, much like Dan Swano, you know, of Sanity, you know, with uh, Unisound and all that stuff. So, oh yeah, Tackern's had much more success financially. Yeah, for sure. I think you know Swano, like uh, I think he kind of got out of the game just as the game was kind of getting going. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, he he produced some of the most influential you know death metal records, but yet it was when at a time when there wasn't any money in it. Yeah. And then, you know, you start pumping in the Dimbleborgers and all that kind of stuff. And that's immortal and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And that stuff does well financially. So, but, uh, you know, we're turning attention back to the, the virus record for a pair of tunes. And again, you're hearing more of the, the immortal stuff, you know, and the, the tune we're going to hear next, which is Warpath, which I do believe kind of kicks the whole record off. Uh, it's got a, a very incredible, very propulsive Sons of Northern Darkness kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, I mean, it just kind of goes right for the jugular. And, and really, like, again, they're, they're sort of hitting a, a new uh, a new kind of stride. And with this record and Taste of Extreme Divinity, I think they've kind of created a, a nice, consistent sound that doesn't have to evolve so quickly that it, like, loses people, you know? Yeah. I think that's the one thing, like, I feel... Well, there's, like, they're, they found a formula, I think, that, that works. And yeah. they've done it pretty well and pretty interesting on these last two records. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I hope they can kind of keep it together for whatever they do next. And uh, we're kind of curious to see what they do, you know, live. You know, what kind mm-hmm. of set list they'll put together. Because, I mean, you know, if you, if you kind of just recently listened to part one, you can tell, I mean, this, this is a band that's traveled a long way. You yeah. know, in a lot of different directions, and, and hopefully working, uh, you know, keeping time. I've heard bad things about him live. Supposedly, he was pretty awful when Immortal played uh, out in New, uh, the New England Metal Fest or whatever. I remember Brian, one of our old uh, compatriots, said he saw. Oh yeah, that was. There. It was like two thousand one, two thousand. It might have been like two thousand. That was before Immortal really had much touring under their belt either. I've heard they're a pretty good outfit now. Okay. Yeah, I hope so. I'd like to see them. So, yeah, I wish they. I've never seen know, them. Wish they tour here. Dang, they could totally they, get enough people. Oh, I mean, they hipster kids and whatever else, yeah. you know. 
But anyways, uh, you you hear that uh, with you know Warpath and then uh, Craving for Another Killing, which is uh, this the last of the tunes that we'll play from uh, the Virus record. And this has a cool sample from what? Where was it from? The Iceman. It was a documentary on. Um, I don't know if that was the name of it or not, but that, that was the guy's name. He was a, a hitman for the mob in the '90s, and uh, kind of did this. I think when he was in prison, maybe right before he's going to be killed on death row did a documentary kind of like a tell-all of all the awful things this guy did so. yeah so it's got a uh, a creepy little intro where, where he's kind of talking and uh again another classic kind of hypocrisy kind of title craving for another killing kind of like let the knife do the talking and such and then we're going to end with our first of a pair of tunes from uh the taste of extreme divinity record so enjoy warpath and craving for another killing and hang my
Hang him high. Craven for another killing and Warpath. Was Hang him high at Clint Eastwood? It was. Western. Clint Western, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good one. There you go. Uh, and what you heard there was the first of uh, a pair of songs we're going to kind of end things with uh, from Taste of Extreme Divinity, which was put out in 2009, in case you uh, didn't hear us talking about it in part one, and features a really cool cover from uh, Christian our, Wallen, Necrolord himself. One of our good buddies, Necrolord, from Grotesque <laughs> and uh, Liars in Wait. What if he still gets mail? Diabolique. Addressed uh, Necrolord. Yeah, well, the guy... Uh, Great Deceiver, too. Ekeroth from uh, Swedish, the Swedish Death Metal book says he still calls him uh, <laughs> Necrolord, and he still calls Tompa... Ghost Slaughter. Uh, Wait, is it... Was no, it, go... What is it? Is it Ghost Slaughter? It might be. Ghost Slaughter was one of the guys, I thought. I can't remember. Yeah, whatever. It's been so long since I've thought about calling Grotesque. <laughs> hey, Ghost Slaughter, what's hey, up, dude? what's going on? And we've met Tampa, you know, a couple times, so... We went to Wendy's with uh, Martin from At The Gates at one time in Grand Rapids, <laughs> I remember... So probably got a, a bacon Don't double bacon cheeseburger, cheeseburger or something please. like that. Yeah. Um, but the tune we're going to end with is uh, "No Tomorrow," and um, what you just heard there on "Hang 'Em High" kind of is is they're taking like some of the the melodic uh, kind of Dimension Zero sound uh, that you heard on Virus, and I, I'm starting to hear some like seance and some different kind of influences come in. And it sounds, I mean, really, it sounds like a black mark record from like 1992. Yeah, it's really weird. And that's kind of a cool sound. To, yeah, it's a pretty obscure thing to go to. And Seance is another band, like you know, talking about where do you put certain early 90s Swedish death metal bands like Hypocrisy and Edge of Sanity. And Seance was more. Uh, I mean, they were kind of like more bizarre as far as their songwriting. Like they're kind of black death. They're kind of straight ahead, like American sounding death metal. Yeah. But then, um, oh, Salt Rubbed Eyes comes on. Like what the hell? It was like weird industrial yeah. elements in it. And I mean, that's another band I'd like to maybe do a, oh, like, yeah, a show for on. sure. And you know, and they've kind of made a cool comeback. Their yeah. brand new record was pretty awesome. So, but uh, we're gonna end things with No Tomorrow, and it's a it's a it's a cool one. It's it's again going back to that immortal influence that we said has kind of seeped its way into hypocrisy, but it's a, a little sleazier, got a little cock rock kind of feel <laughs> to it, and uh, it'd be neat to you know it'd be neat to hear immortal kind of do some more of this kind of stuff. I'd like to see another Eye record. Yeah, really? so would I. Oh, that was a great record. So uh, that's one we could probably devote a show to down the road. If yeah, we had to. But uh, anyways, we hope you've enjoyed uh, a hefty dose of uh, hypocrisy the last uh, few. You know, the la- these part two, uh, two part shows. Jeez, I can't talk right now. <laughs> I think I got I got food on my mind. But uh, you know, let us know what you thought. You know, let us know if there's a specific era you liked. Uh, I know we skipped the arrival and catch twenty two, and well, you know, we're gonna have to apologize ahead of time and say those are just records we don't get into. Or if, if maybe you think there's a certain pain record that's, oh, that's worth reinvestigating, you know? Yeah. Let us know at uh, requiempodcast at gmail.com. Leave us comments on requiempodcast.com. Dot com. Yeah. Our iTunes, you can leave uh, comments and you know download old episodes and such. And there's lots and lots. What lots is there, 80-some? Oh, uh, yeah, we're up, uh, we'll, we'll be up in about 86, 87 here. Yeah. So we're getting close to that uh, top ten countdown of the ten greatest years in metal history, which uh, I know how much everybody likes countdowns. So yes. wait till you hear oh, ours. love countdowns. So it'll be our first. So for uh, hypocrisy part two and no tomorrow, I'm Jason and I'm Mark. <laughs>